this is a fun day. This is a fun day. I said that twice, so it must be important. My name's Steve. I'm one of the pastors here at Hope. If we've uh, never had the chance to meet, glad, uh, glad to have you here this morning. Um, about, let's do one thing first, then we'll do the other thing second, <laughs> whatever that means. <clears throat> first thing. Uh, about four years ago, we, uh, this church was uh, numerically somewhere in the 800 range, and we started doing a facilities, uh, facilities check, and we, we hired an architect to look at how we could make the facility work for the future after they stopped laughing and said, not going to work. Uh, we realized that we were in some trouble because hope was uh, continuing numerically to grow on a Sunday weekend in every, every aspect. And it started to feel more and more, you know, kind of like this. And you're experiencing that right now. That was back when you were 800. Now, uh, I don't even know. No, we can't count that high. I lost fingers and toes. So, uh, but it, it started to feel real tight. And so, uh, about two years, two and a half years ago, the overseers had kind of a, a, a crisis retreat, and there was one item on the agenda. What are we going to do? That's it. And we came up with five solutions. Here's the five solutions. <laughs> that number one was mine, but uh, <laughs> it's called the, the ostrich in the sand approach. Uh, that's kind of what I wanted to do. <laughs> Just like, it'll just, let's just, you know, do the Minnesota thing. Just stop talking about it. Maybe it'll go away. And it didn't. And, and so, but that, that was kind of one of the things. Uh, planting churches, start new churches. Uh, we, we do start new churches. It ain't working. Uh, it's kind of like shoveling the ocean. And so it, we, we are going to even talk about that more today. That solution, even though that originally was one of our thoughts as hope would grow, that we would continually downsize that way. That, that just ain't happening. We'd like to go multi-site, and that's a situation that is still on the agenda, but we do feel that our sites would not be relatively close to this one. We'd hope to go other places, and that's something we'll talk about in the future here. Um, we remodel this current facility. We hired an architect. What was it, Jamie? What's the cost again? One point something. $2 million, and how many seats do we gain? 100 seats for $2 million. I'd take the money if you paid me and not come, is what, how that would save up my seat, you know, and the whole thing. So there's like two mil, and you're going to get a little, you're going to bump that out, and that was it. It's like, okay, that's not really good. And move. Nobody likes that option. We feel that, that this is where God wants us to be, right in the downtown area of Minneapolis, right in the, the middle of the thick of it all, and, and uh, yeah. And so we were wrestling with these, and you know, it's, we didn't like any of the options that came up. And then God did something remarkable. And in the, I'm serious, in the middle of that meeting, uh, an idea came, actually a text came to Pastor Cora, text or an email about the opportunity to, for the property next door to open up. And it did. It did. It's been a, a two and a half year journey. It's been uh, a lot of uh, blood, sweat, and uh, tears. Or as my favorite show, Fast and Loud, says, blood, sweat, and, beer, blood, sweat, and beers. Uh, it's been tears in this case. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, the building, we acquired the property, and we have been in the process of remodeling it. We purchased it in April of 2012, and we have been in the process of trying to get things through the city and all of that. And if you're not at all familiar with where we are, we are there. We are, we are over here right now. Matter of fact, I'm standing. No, let's see. Yeah, that's right. I'm standing. Is that right? Am I there? Am I over here? Am I, where am I? I'm here. Oh, yeah. So I'm not there. I'm... No. Oh, yeah, I am. That's right. I'm over here. Anyway. Um, and the property that's opened up to us is this property right here. Uh, at that time, and uh, today we're announcing when we're going to open it. Today we're announcing the date that we have chosen, uh, Lord willing, in the city of Minneapolis willing, uh, not that those two are on equal footing, but uh, <laughs> some ways it feels that way. We're going to open that building. 
We're going to open that building on Thanksgiving Day this year. Uh, <laughs> now, if you go over there, you'd go, oh, my gosh, no way. <laughs> but, yes, we will. There's going to be a lot of work and different things that are involved to continue on. A, uh, it was built in 1883 to continue on this legacy in the building. We have done major. The more I think about it, the more I realize what major remodeling means. Uh, it, we have done major remodeling on the property. It, if you are familiar with the property of old, uh, you, you will recognize it, but, but barely in a lot of ways. We have done extensive, extensive uh, remodeling to this property. And I just want to publicly thank Pastor Seth. Uh, he has... Uh, <clears throat> Hold your applause. He ain't done yet. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> ouch. <laughs> he's not only uh, done a great job in this thing, he's put up with me, uh, especially these last eight weeks I've been over there with him. So it's the worst parts, right? So, but uh, uh, we're working on this thing almost every day, and so it's, it's happening. And just to give you a little excitement, I just wanted to feed you a little bit here. Yesterday, a uh, uh, team of people put in a fire door. Is that what it is? It's, uh, Attic, attic exit, uh, but it will function as a fire door or something like that, up on the second level. And, and Jacob Brumer, or it's a very German name, so you've got to say Bruma. I think he's probably downstairs. Hey, you downstairs? You downstairs in the garden low? All right. So if you're down there, slap him on the back. He made this, and you guys installed it yesterday. You can see that it's the access, and here's kind of what it'll look like when you come from 8th Avenue there. It is way, way cool. In order to close, in order to get this done, we're going to need help. There's going to come times for massive cleaning, which, <laughs> believe me, there's some cleaning to be done. And there's also going to be painting and a few other opportunities where it's just kind of an all-hands-on-deck. Please watch the city for that. If you're brand new to Hope, you've made Hope your home, you'd like to be part of this, you could come for a workday, you could still give financially this. We'll still take financial help on this. We're about 40 grand short. Is that right, Johnny? Last Forty grand in cash in order to make this happen. So if the Lord has laid that on your heart and you want to be part of that, that's great. We'd love to have you can uh, fill out a legacy card. We still got the legacy cards, Johnny, or you don't need a legacy card. They're online. You can do it online or you can uh, put it in the offering basket, write legacy campaign on there or whatever. We would love to do that. In addition, Pastor Seth came up with a great idea. Uh, this week, we have built the stage over there, the new one, um, and... We are this week going to be filling it with insulation. They require that for fire purposes or whatever. But we're, we want to put a time capsule in there. And so that's what all those little pieces of paper are there for you. If you have anything you'd like to tell the next, next suckers who remodel this thing, <laughs> hopefully not us, but Lord willing, the building was to be used, there's going to be a time capsule in this stage. And uh, on that card... If there's anything you'd like to write, uh, uh, you know, something about hope or something about what you hope to see the future bring uh, for our city, or if there's a verse you want to share or something, maybe put the date on it. I suppose they'll figure it out after 100 of them have dates or so. But you could fill out that little card while I'm talking here, and you could put that. Uh, what are we going to have, people? How are we getting them? Basket in the back. Basket in the back and upstairs. Find a basket. Find a person in an orange shirt and give it to them. So is that okay, orange-shirted people? Unless you're wearing an orange shirt that doesn't say hope. That'd be awkward. But, yeah. So. That's exciting. We're doing it on Thanksgiving Day. Here's the reason why. Is we have, you might be thinking, that's a weird day to open. The, the reason why Thanksgiving Day is we have a tradition here with all the churches in the downtown area on this side that we do a, a celebration together on Thanksgiving. We thought, what better and more cool way to celebrate it with all of Augustana Church uh, will be there and many others from the church will be there. Then we'll open for Hopesters that weekend and, and then the weekend after that, uh, December 8th, we'll have a baptism over there. And so that'll be really cool to open the building that way. And so those are some of the things coming up. It is very exciting. We covet your prayers for that time. Now, second exciting thing. Man, could it get better? Yes, it does. Second exciting thing. We get to start a revolution today. 
There you go. And it is very exciting to have the opportunity. If you're, you're brand new to Hope, and, and if you haven't been here since we had the opportunity to start our last church, which was 2010, 10, 10, 10. It's easy to remember. Uh, Trinity City Church was our last church we had the opportunity to start. You may be thinking the only way new churches get started is when there's a big church fight. And uh, so far, Lord, bless the Lord, we have not started a church that way. It might be a strategy, I'm just saying, but uh, it's not the way we do it. We actually strategically try to do that. And that's what I want to talk to you about for a little bit. Then I'm going to invite Pastor Jared Doherty. It's hard for me to say the word Doherty, to be honest with you. I always want to say Pastor Jared Doherty. I think you should preach the whole thing in a Scottish brogue. Brother, I would love that. It would be great. I, my goal in my life is to preach someday in a Scottish Pentecostal church where the people yell back, Preach it now, brother! Bring it home! That's my own personal slice of heaven right there. But Mr. Doherty, I know you're Irish, not Scottish, but I had to do the Scottish thing. I want to talk about church planting, why we do it. And so first I want to do a little scripture study. I I started last week. We talked about a little bit of a different issue last week. That was how to to have hope be still a small big church holding the values found in the book of Acts, first two chapters. I kind of want to continue a little bit of that Acts study. It's going to be kind of quick. There's an insert inside your worship folder. You can find what I'm going to say as far as uh, also a few things that Jared will have the opportunity to say in just a moment. And, but I want to talk to you first about uh, this, this ongoingness of what happened in the early church. Uh, if you remember from last week, this church blew up. They had like 3,000 people right away. And what did they do? They, we talked about some of the values that they had. Uh, they, they met together. They fellowshiped. They uh, uh, devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to prayer, to the fellowship, all those kind of things from Acts chapter 2. So what I want to look at this week is what, what is... What does the Bible teach about starting new churches specifically and why it is such a passion of ours, why, why that's what we're about. So let's start there. If you look at the end of any of the Gospels, pretty much, and John being kind of the different one, uh, they almost all of them, you know, they all do, they have a thing which we'd call the Great Commission. Matthew 28 is probably the most famous of them. But I'm going to quote a different one. I'm going to quote from the book of John. Because John also has it. It's not quite as explicit as the other Gospels. But in John chapter 20, Jesus is speaking to his disciples. And he says, peace be with you. And then he says this. And that's why I think this is actually the best of the great commissions that are given. Matthew 28 is a great one. Those of you have that memorized from Awana, good for you. But... uh, This one, I think, is even more clear. It says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. So you've got to stop and think about this. You know, what's the as? The as is how the Father sent the Son. Father sent the Son. The Son was not unwilling. He was willing to go. But he definitely laid down his preferences for the benefit of other people. He sent into the world to die for them to go to the cross, to pay for the sins of the world, to raise again, to prove that he had victory over it, and to give us, give us new life. All of that, the gospel message, as that happens, guess what? Now, that's going to happen for you. He's speaking to his disciples. I want you all to do that. So, the question at hand is, how did the disciples understand the great commission given by Jesus. Matthew 28. Therefore, and go make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And lo, I like that. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age, right? Matthew 28. How did the disciples understand that great commission they were given? So we've got to go forward to the book of Acts now. Remember, what took you to Acts chapter 2 last time. And you see this big church in Jerusalem. It's like 3,100 people. It keeps getting larger and larger and larger. And they, they just kind of stay there for a while. And then something happens in Acts chapter 8. In Acts chapter 8, uh, 
well, excuse me, in Acts chapter 7, a guy by the name of Stephen, and I'm actually named after this guy, he's martyred. Actually, my mom made me Stephen Paul. I'm named after two Christian martyrs. My mom had a death wish for me. The, he's martyred. He's the first Christian martyr. And all of a sudden, if you remember, it says that, that the church had great favor with all the people. Favor has dried up. Acts chapter 8, things change. The story goes as, on that day, a great persecution broke out against the church at Jerusalem. And all except the apostles were scattered throughout Judea and Samaria. That's where Jesus said you were going to go. You're all going to spread around. Godly men buried Stephen and mourned deeply for him. But Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women and put them in prison. Those who had been scattered preached the word wherever they went. I love that. Because he just couldn't help it. Why? Because they love it. I like blizzards. Uh, the Dairy Queen, not the snowstorm. <laughs> I just talk about them. I don't need a strategy on how to do it. I just talk about things I like. And they like Jesus a lot. And they talk about them. They just preach the word wherever they went. And it goes on and on. This thing, instead of the persecution quelching this thing, it's kind of like, like rubbing a rash. Or, you know, when you have that tofung guy and you kind of... Forget that one. But it just spreads. It just go. The church goes like toe fungus. There's an image for you. Wow. Okay. But it does. It's just going all over the place. You go to the next chapter of the book of Acts. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. I love that phrase. That is an awesome phrase. How do you breathe out murderous threats? <laughs> There's like, I love that phrase. It's just like, wow, that guy's got really bad breath. I mean, it's just, that just kills you, right? Breathing out murderous threats. So here's what's going on. The church is spreading in Acts chapter 8. It's going all over the place. Saul, this guy by the name of Saul, is 100% against it. And he's against it. You don't see a reason here. You don't, it doesn't tell you here. It, it, what if you read the chapter? He does it for religious reasons. He does it because he's zealous for God but he rejects Jesus as Messiah. And then in Acts chapter 9, the guy by the name of Saul, the guy who's breathing out murderous threats, meets the risen Jesus. And Saul, who becomes later Paul, life is completely changed upside down. This guy's no longer at all who he was and the very things that he thought about why Jesus couldn't be God because he hung on a cross and Deuteronomy teaches that cursed is everyone who's hung on a cross. Therefore, God is cursed. That's, that's blasphemy to, to the Saul, to Paul. That becomes the cornerstone of his theology. God became a curse for us in Christ so that we don't have to be cursed. That's the message of, that's the greatest news in the world that God does for us he pays the penalty, so on Judgment Day, Jesus said, I paid for that, for you. To anyone, to anyone, the Scriptures teach, who believe. Anyone who bends their knee to Jesus says, you be my Savior. I want you. It's the best news in the world. As this goes on, uh, this guy Paul now, he just gets, uh, his name changes in a little bit, but he, uh, he just becomes more and more zealous and he starts proclaiming this Jesus to everybody. By the time we get to Acts chapter 13, you primarily have two centers of Christianity. You have Jerusalem down here, and then you have Antioch up further. And this is kind of Paul's home church. He's, he's gravitated up to a place called Antioch. And it says this. It says that the, in the church at Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barnabas, Simon called Nagar, Lucius of Cyrene, Manian, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul, as it changed his name, it's still Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, and this is really important, this, what comes next, starts something that has continued on today. Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. 
So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. From Acts chapter 13 on until Paul gets arrested, there's something that takes place. There's a strategy that he does. There's something that that he does what he's trying to fulfill this work uh, to which they've been called. He would go to a city with his team. He would go into a familiar place, usually the synagogue, because there's low-hanging fruit there. People are interested in talking about God. Not only so, there's a tradition in synagogues that if you're a visiting rabbi, you get to preach. If you're a visiting pastor, we don't have that here. But but that was what it was. So if you have something to say to us, come on up front. He says, well, son of a gun, actually, I do have something to say. They talk about Jesus. He talked about Jesus until they all accepted Jesus or they beat him up. That was kind of pretty much the options. Pretty much. Usually involved the latter. Paul got beat up a lot. Then he'd go out from there and he would gather these people who now wanted to follow Jesus. He would help train them up, raise up a couple leaders, and boom, go on. He stayed in a place called Corinth, 18 months. He stayed in... Ephesus, how long? Two years? Two and a half? Something like that? He doesn't stay very long, relatively. And he moves on. Those are the longest. The other ones are weeks and months. He stays, and then he trains up people, and he, and he leaves. And he checks back in on them. You can see some of this. In fact, much of the New Testament that we have is actually the Apostle Paul just checking up with the people who are very young in the faith. First Corinthians, right? First Corinthians, he's writing to the, the, the church in Corinth, a, a letter we spent a lot of time with. It says, what after all is Apollos? Apollos was the pastor that came after Paul into Corinth. And he says, what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe. The Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed. In other words, I came and I started this church. Apollos came in and watered it. But God's the one who makes things grow. All right? Paul's saying, this is how it started. I I did start it. That's the way this thing happened. He talks to one of his uh, mentees, a guy by the name of Titus, and he tells him, in Titus 1.5, says, the reason I left you in Crete was that you might straighten out what was left unfinished. By who? By me. And appoint elders in every town as I directed you. So now there's there's these churches in towns, and I want you to go and get leadership, godly leadership, build them up, And that's your job in Crete, Titus. And then he says in the book of Romans, uh, in the end of that book, he says, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me in leading the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, to obey God by what I have said and done, by the power of signs and miracles, through, uh, through the power of the Spirit. So from Jerusalem all the way around to Lycium, I have fully proclaimed the gospel of Christ. And here's what he says. It has always been my ambition to preach the gospel where Christ was not known so that I would not be building on someone else's foundation. Paul says, I want to go into areas, my passion, my ambition is to start new works in places where it's not there yet. If you look at this pattern, it looks like this. And I know this is, it's just a a bunch bunch of numbers here, but just... He talks about the the commissioning. I'm going to go straight from the top. The commissioning of people. And this is something at Hope we take very, very seriously. And that there is some way that you you, uh, interact with people you're trying to help them see Jesus. Somehow the gospel is communicated through love and deed and action and hanging out and coffee and whatever. There's ways and on timelines that help people to do that. In that process... People will trust Christ. Why? Because it's the best news in the world. Hearers will be converted, it says here. Then, not only will they be converted, but they will congregate together in new churches. Then their faith will be confirmed. They will be built up. Then leaders will start to be developed. Leaders will be developed. Then believers are commanded on. They continue on the, the relationship with them. The sending uh, churches will combine and they'll do it again. What we believe and hope is that this right here, this diagram, is what healthy churches do 
now until Jesus comes back. This is what we do. In fact, I, I, I get invited to speak at different places and I often talk to pastors about, are you, are you building a lake or a river? Rivers, rivers are good things because that's every one of these. I'm going from a circle to a river, but just, you're smart people. So, the, in other words, what, what the church should be is this thing that is healthy and vital and it's not stagnant because it's moving. Now, how does it move? It moves by helping people find Christ, helping those people to congregate, uh, developing them into leaders, and then sending them out. And that's what churches do. Now, I'm not, what I'm about to say is going to, we got a lot of issues here at Hope. You're looking at one right now. I'm not trying to, it's going to make it sound like a boastful statement. I don't mean that. I really don't. 2% of churches plant churches. 2%. This is how we do. If you want me to bust a move on that, I will. This is how we do. This is what we're supposed to do. And so the temptation for churches and for pastors is, I want this thing to get as big as I can. I want it to be a lake. I want storefront, or, or I want lakefront property. Well, you can have waterfront property. Just make it a river. And if you do that, at least our experience has been, you're going to have a pretty big reservoir right there too. You can't shovel this thing fast enough. People are excited to be part of something where they can see that they can be raised up into leadership and leave in a positive way. <laughs> and we mean that in a very, very positive way. Let me give you a few. Uh, these are probably the four, four over the last 20 years who have been like experts in this area. C. Peter Wagner wrote a book called Church Planting for a Greater Harvest. When we planted hope, this was the only book I could find of any value on church planting in 1996. It says the single most effective evangelistic methodology, that just means ways to grow the church, under heaven is planting new churches. Tim Keller, many of you know I have a very, very healthy man crush on this guy, uh, <laughs> has said it this way. The vigorous, continual planting of new congregations is the single most crucial strategy for, one, the numerical growth of the body of Christ in any city, two, the continual corporate renewal and revival of the existing churches in a city. Nothing else, not crusades, outreach programs, parachurch ministries, growing megachurches, congressional consulting, nor church renewal processes will have the consistent impact of dynamic, extensive church planting. This is an eyebrow-raising statement, but to to those who have done any study at all, it is not even controversial. In other words, this is just a fact. A guy by the name of uh, Bob Logan uh, in the 90s was probably the guru of church planting, said this, Christianity has always expanded through the multiplication of churches. The book of Acts records how the boundaries of the Christian faith were pushed to the outermost parts of the world through the multiplication of new churches. To this day, throughout every generation, Christianity has extended to new areas and new peoples via the multiplication of new churches. And one more. Um, this is uh, Ralph Winter, who um, was the, director of, and the, the founder and the director of the, the U.S. Center for World Missions. So I'm not just talking about across the street, and that's where we're going here. Around the world... New churches worth their salt aren't parasites on existing churches. They reach believers who dropped out of a church years ago. They reach people who don't really know the Lord. They reach children who have never gone to Sunday school in their lives. They reach the lost, those people who have not yet been found by Christ. So it has been a passion of ours not to just be a new church, but to start churches along the way, to raise up leaders and then to watch them start churches. And stateside, we've had the opportunity to start six. We started with St. Paul Fellowship in uh, 2002 and 2003. We helped start Missio Day. Uh, in 2006, we started Hiawatha Church. Uh-oh. I'm going to go 2007, Providence Community Church up in uh, Cross Lake. In 2000, after that, we planted... Uh, 
eight, uh, Antioch Community Church, and then most recently, Trinity City Church uh, in October of 2010. Our first 10 years of existence, we had the opportunity to plant two churches. The overseers wanted to see in our next 10 years, and we're near 17, so our seventh year of that, we would like to see 10. So we have five in that goal, and today we get a chance to start number six of 10, Lord willing, and that is Revolution Church of Minneapolis. So Pastor Jared Daugherty, why don't you come forward and and share with us uh, about Revolution Church. Well, I just want to first and foremost say thank you so much to Hope Community Church for being a huge, huge, huge blessing to us as Revolution Church. We get to go out as the crow flies, literally, like nine blocks. It's not really that far. It's a very, very, very different people. Uh, 8,000 people in total, Seward and Cedar Riverside. And ultimately, these are people, uh, there's three families who are plugged into any churches in in those neighborhoods. And we get to go and bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people. Uh, And we are super excited. Many of the people on our launch team are part of Hope or I should say we're part of Hope. Also, we have some people from Bethlehem Baptist. We have some people from some other churches, and I am super, super excited. Uh, I just want to share a few things about what we're going to be doing. Uh, in the next, literally one month from today, we launch. Our public launch is October 27th, 2013, just down the road. Uh, and if you have any questions about what I say today, you want to know a little bit about what we're doing, you can go to revolutionmpls.com and find out more details. Uh, but I want to actually begin first by reading from Scripture. Uh, Romans, beginning with verse 15, uh, or chapter 15, verse 20, it says, And thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. This is one passage that has deeply or greatly impacted me in the last year and a half as we started praying through what it would look like and where we're going to be going as church planning. We prayed about many different neighborhoods, and it became evident uh, that God had called us to Seward and Cedar Riverside neighborhoods, and we are super, 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 super excited. Our launch team is super awesome. I'm going to introduce you to them in just a little bit. Uh, but I wanted to share a little bit of our vision, our mission, our core values, and a little bit of what we're doing and why we're doing it. Uh, So I'll try to get you out of here by noon. Just kidding. Uh, We actually, there's another service at 11, right? I see that as a full spot. So if some of you are a little too cramped, we actually will have more seats down the road. So uh, (laughs) I can say that to you guys, right? Because you guys are kicking us out, you know, very shortly. Uh, First and foremost, our vision. Uh, In praying through what this would look like, we are all about revolutionizing our city by helping people encounter Jesus in a life-changing way to the glory of God. That's what we want to do. Start with the gospel, continue with the gospel, and finish strong with the gospel. Being gospel-centric in everything we do. Literally, revolutionizing our city by helping people meet Jesus. That's it. Stepping from death to life. The greatest and sweetest news, as as Pastor Trike was just saying, that we get to do that. How are we going to do that? Our mission, by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ in the fullness of its saving sanctifying and satisfying power the sweetest news we get to go and share this as people of god going and bringing the gospel to people we have core values uh, that ultimately are going to be harnessed in our mission statement which are head heart and hands so literally how do we do that you say well that's pretty simple isn't it the gospel is not complex jesus died on the cross for each and every one of us to glorify the Father, to pay for our sin. The atonement, the wrath of God was on Him, and He took the wrath of the Father for us. That He brought us into a relationship with Him. The sweetest and greatest news by rising from the dead three days later. The glorious resurrection, as my son Shepard says, the glorious resurrection, Daddy. I'm like, great little theologian. Our core values look like this. Head. We have to start with the head. We have to hear the gospel. 
We can't just preach the gospel and, if necessary, use words, which is kind of a silly thing to say, actually. We've got to start with the head. We need to hear the gospel first. Teaching the truth of the gospel. Romans 10. We've got a lot of Paul in here that we're going to be reading. Romans 10, beginning with verse 8. But what does it say? The word is near you, in your heart. Sorry, the word is near you, in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith that we proclaim because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe with your heart that he has raised him, that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame, for there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. The same Lord is Lord of all, bestowing the riches on all who call on him, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Isn't that sweet? There's an offering for all. But how are they to call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. Head, it starts with the gospel. We need to hear the gospel. Our next core value, heart. Worshiping in response to the gospel. We hear the gospel and it penetrates just deep down, not many inches from our head to our heart. And we believe it and receive it. So what do we do? We worship in response to the gospel. We come here on Sunday mornings to worship. We hear the gospel and we respond to God. And we worship. Worshiping in response to the gospel. Romans 11, beginning with verse 33. And this is Paul writing as as some people have called it doxology or... uh, It's actually a really great song if you've ever heard it uh, recorded. It's beautiful, but it says, Oh, the depth of the riches and the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of our Lord or who has been his counselor? Or who has given a gift to him that he might be repaid? For from Him and through Him and to Him are all things. To Him be glory forever. Amen. And then Paul gets on and says, how do we do this? We're praising, we're glorifying God. God is glorified and we are satisfied in Him alone. I I appeal to you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Present our bodies as living sacrifices. As a revolution, we get to go out very shortly from hope. Planting a church, and in return, getting to plant more churches. Hands. Starts with the gospel. We hear the gospel. It goes down to our heart. We believe the gospel. In our hands, we live our lives transformed by the gospel. Our hands are open to serve, to love people, pointing them to Jesus. I'm going to explain a little bit about how we're going to do that in just a second. But the gospel, the sweetest news, we get to live it. We get to embody it as the body of Christ. Little Christ is what, is what Christians are. We get to go out with the sweetest news, the gospel, the glorious gospel. By opening our hands to serve the city, Seward and Cedar Riverside and surrounding neighborhoods. Matthew has got some great words for us. At the beginning, we read, and this is shortly after the Beatitudes, uh, blessed is, fill in the blank, there's, depending on how you read it, there's eight or nine. But this is uh, from Matthew, who was one of the disciples of Jesus. He says, You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. We get to let our light shine before people that they might see Jesus. People meeting Jesus, revolutionizing our city by helping people encounter Jesus in a life-changing way to the glory of God by declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ in the fullness of its saving, sanctifying, satisfying power. And the last passage that Trike actually read uh, is what's known as the Great Commission. Go, therefore, and make disciples. I just want to read it and just to see that what Jesus does in this last section of Matthew. It says in verse 18, And Jesus came and said to them, All authority, all authority comes from Jesus. Isn't that great? All authority comes from Jesus. He says, I will build my church. In Matthew 16, 18, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, or lo, or hark, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus is with us. We start with the gospel. We continue with the gospel. We are seen through with the gospel. Revolution Launch Day, October 27th. If you would be praying for us as we go out daily, if you will, it would be awesome. We need your prayer. A little bit about the neighborhood. We're reaching the neighborhoods of Seward and Cedar Riverside, Riverside neighborhood uh, in the city of Minneapolis. Actually, not too far from here. Uh, if you have never seen it, it's a building. It looks kind of like this when it's lit up at night. Launch day is the 27th, but it's at 9 a.m in the Cedar Cultural Center. It used to be a porn theater back in the 60s through the 80s, for those who didn't know. I don't know if everybody on the launch team even knows that. Uh, now, now you do. Uh, they cleaned it up, and they turned it into a music venue. In fact, this year they're celebrating their 25th anniversary. And the City Pages uh, just named them number one music venue in the city, which is pretty awesome. They are excited to have us. We are excited to be there. In fact, they even asked. They said, can some of our people attend Revolution Church? said, you bet. We would love to have you. This is a little bit about who we are. Uh, this is our launch team. Just a couple of pictures. I'm going to invite them up in just a few seconds. We've done many things over the summer. Since April, when we first held our meetings, uh, a couple of our, our objectives were information meetings. In other words, where are we going? When are we going? How are we going to do this? Why are we doing this? Which ties in the vision, mission, core values. We get to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ in the fullness of its saving, sanctifying, and satisfying power. We get to live the gospel. We hear the gospel. The gospel penetrates into our hearts. We believe it and we worship. We are worshipers and we go out, extended hands, loving our city, pointing them to Jesus. We've had theological training. We've taught a gospel class. We've had two gospel classes. What we actually believe is revolution. If you ever want to know, just go to Revolution MPLS. You can see what we teach in the gospel class. And then people sign a covenant membership agreement, what it means to be part of Revolution Church. We've had many barbecues over the summer. One of the best ways to gather a group of people is to eat. I love to eat. It's one of my spiritual gifts uh, is eating, particularly barbecues. So if you know me long enough, there's always, some of us were eating brats and stuff, celebrating Oktoberfest last night, uh, eating brats and sausages. It was just, it was just awesome. Uh, but gathering over food getting to know one another. As we get to know one another, we get to go out and get to know other people in our city, bringing them the sweetest news. Uh, the last two things. Seward and Cedar Riverside desperately need your prayer. As we get to go to them, pray for them. Pray for the soil in which we go. We've been praying for many years now uh, for these neighborhoods to meet and encounter Jesus, step from death to life. Pray for them. Pray for us. Pray against the evil one. Pray that we might clearly portray the gospel of Jesus Christ to these people, loving these people, discipling these people, and sending out more people to do the very same thing.
Lastly, we've already been meeting as missional communities. We wanted to be on the ground, so to speak, uh, before we actually launched. So we actually have uh, a couple of missional communities that are meeting. So most of the missional communities, not all of them, are meeting in pubs, cafes, coffee shops, wanting to do gospel in community, out in community. We get to practice that. We get to love our neighbors. We get to be out and about in the city, in these neighborhoods. At this time, I do want to invite Trike back up here. Uh, whatever I have said, check out our uh, website. But I also uh, am super encouraged by our launch team. We have got, there's a bunch of us, and we are super, super excited. Uh, we thank you once again. Yeah, thank you, brother. Yeah, yeah I'll take that. Um, before you, we get our team up there, what? Did, did I just deny you a handshake? That, yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Maybe so. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, before we invite your team up, specifically, one, one, two things, top drawer, prayer for. What, what would you say? Uh, I would say pray against uh, demonic presence. Uh, it's a neighborhood that is, uh, has predominantly a huge amount of concentration, largest in the nation, of covens and, and Wicca in, in these neighborhoods. Uh, so praying against that. Uh, we've seen a little bit of it uh, for our launch team, but I know that when God is preached, when the gospel is preached, there is always resistance. So I would say that, but continue to grow our launch team, uh, that we would continue to love Jesus, love on each other, and love the people. Perfect. Yeah. I'm going to invite, if you're, if you're uh, part of the revolution, I'd love to have you just come on right up front here, right on this stage, right up here, and then I want to invite the elders of Hope to come forward, and we're going to commission them. So if you're part of revolution, if you could face out, and if you're one of the elders, if you could kind of intermix with them, and <clears throat> we're going to commission them and just pray and bless them leaving us so we either have a lot of elders or a lot of people are leaving one or the other <laughs> there's a lot of people I actually built this stage and this now exceeds the weight limit but <laughs> hopefully we don't fall where's core where'd go core would you open us in prayer? Would you pray with us as we commission out Revolution Church? Just pray and then pass it, pass it to uh, other elders. Elders, just raise your hand if you want the mic. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we gather under the name and banner of Jesus Christ. Mm. And God, as we send Revolution and commission them in your name, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach yeah. the good news. But God, how can they preach unless they are sent? So we send them now uh, to trash the kingdom of darkness for your namesake, God. Uh, we ask you to bind them together, unite them, uh, and let them major on the majors, minor on the minors, um, so that other people, people right now that exist in our city, live in lives, um, God, that they don't even give a rip about you. God, may this church be impactful with the gospel message uh, into areas and corners of this city uh, that are yet untouched. God, do it uh, for your glory and your namesake. God, we thank you for Jared and his family and uh, for everyone here up on stage and the heart that you've given them for this neighborhood. We just pray that um, you would impact their lives and that they would impact uh, this neighborhood, and they would just bring the gospel forth uh, to all the people there. Lord Jesus, it just, it just comes to mind that after you sent the 72 out, they came back, and their response was, Lord, even, even the demons respond to us and uh, come out in your name. And, and your response was, don't, don't rejoice that, that demons are cast out, but rejoice that your names are written in the book of life. And so I thank you for this group of people that are devoted to you and that their names are written in the book of life, God. And that's what we want to see is more and more people um, responding. Um, and we know that there is, as Jared told us, demonic presence and there is darkness, God, in Cedar Riverside. And so we do come against that in your name. Uh, on behalf of the, the launch team and on behalf of the, the neighborhood and the people there, God. So we know that you, you uh, have all authority 
God, and that you have authority over, over the demons and that they believe you and shudder, God. So we ask that they would do that, that they would, they would uh, flee because of the light that is coming into Cedar Riverside through this, this church plant, God. So we just ask that uh, you, would, you would bring peace and good sleep and um, rest and just that the message of the gospel would penetrate hearts, God, and that nothing would stand in the way of it. Lord, I just pray for this church that you would send them out to serve with humility and boldness and with a heart to clearly communicate the gospel to the people of Revolution and its community. Would you continue to give them a vision and prepare and protect them as they go out as sheep among wolves? In your name, amen. Lord, you started something in the book of Acts and by your spirit have continued that on to today that many of us if we were able to we'd be able to carry on a lineage all the way back to that original time when you told the disciples as I'm sending you uh, as the father sent me so I'm sending you and so I thank you God for that ongoing story you have may Revolution Church be part of that story and may it be just empowered by your spirit to truly do its namesake, and that is to cause a revolution in this city for you. Mm. That there are people who five, ten years from now will never have heard of Hope Community or care about us, but the people who are standing on this platform have been able to be used by you to impact them deeply. So I ask for that, God. Go before them. Use them, God. We commission them. We send them from here with a blessing and an encouragement and an expectation that they would stay true to you and want to see you do amazing things in their midst. We ask this, Jesus. We place them in your hands just as if they were our children, leaving us, going to college or, or, or getting married or leaving us. And we pray you protect them. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Great. You guys can have a seat. I want to see Jared and Mary Grace and Shepard and Savannah if they're here, or just, just the two of you. Yeah, just the two of you. Yeah. The rest you can. Invite the worship team to come forward, too, so in the chaos here. I want you to see Mary Grace, uh, Jared's better seven-eighths. Yeah. And... Uh, I know it's the spur of the moment you didn't know this, but anything particular for, because you just became a pastor's wife today, so <laughs> is there anything particular we can pray for you and, and uh, Shepherd and Savannah are their two children, and the dog, Starbuck, Starbuck. Give me a grande. Starbuck is the St. Uh, Bernard that uh, thinks suburban, it's about that size, um, <laughs> yeah. the, the truck, not the Eden Prairie, but... Um, <laughs> Anything particular we can be praying for you, uh, Mary Grace? Um, yeah, that I definitely behind the scenes kind of person. <laughs> um, Sorry. Just to... <laughs> they're not looking. <laughs> <laughs> just you, know, you and me talking. It's just I just want to take care of Jared because um, you know there's a lot of work that you guys and the church and the people and the volunteers that'll be helping. So my main goal is first to take care of you and the kids. So the church can be taken care of. If I were the enemy, <clears throat> this is where I would attack. So just pray for them, pray for their family, and pray for good relationships on their team. So thanks again. Thank Congratulations, you. guys. Thank you.